Hello and welcome to another episode of the Third Person Podcast. My name is Chris Milhouse, joined as always by my dear friend, Mr. Daryl Hammond. How are you, Daryl? How's it going, dude? It's going good. Uh, going good today. Been uh, real busy. We got a busy week this week. Been moving, man. Um, you know, just what a pain in the ass fucking moving is. <laughs> fucking sucks, man. I will pay you know, all the money in the world to have people fucking do this for me next time. I it was such a bitch for me. I feel like I paid really well to have someone help me move, and it still sucks. It still sucked like hell. Oh yeah, man! I someone mean, did, someone did help me move. It still sucked. <laughs> I fucking hate it. It's one of those things too. Like you, you always like, oh yeah, I'll hire somebody, and then I went. I got this place kind of a last minute type of deal, and I went to go hire somebody, but all the good movers were gone or, or you know busy, whatever, and uh, they're all booked up. And then the ones that weren't were astronomically expensive, and I, I was like, all right, so I got you know. I got uh, Jim, actually, our, our producer, Jim, who's not with us today. He's uh, got another event he has to be at today, uh, so but he'll be back with us soon. But uh, Jim helped me out yesterday, and uh, let me just tell you, man, like it's worth every penny to get someone else to move your shit. I mean... I, it's been a nightmare. So like yesterday I rented a U-Haul and, uh, I, I, everything went fine uh, except for on the way back as I'm about to, I'm like a block away to return the U-Haul, a delivery driver on another truck clips my car, clips, clips my U-Haul and knocks off the passenger mirror. <laughs> I was like, dude, I'm like a block away from returning the fucking thing. And so like, what a nightmare. Plus like, you know, today I, I had a, I ordered, you know, Furniture, couches, and couches and, and a seat to come get delivered. First of all, these guys are mad late, and then they show up and they're like, "Yeah, we just can't get it in your apartment. There's no way you know, these these New York City apartments, the hallways are too small." So I was like, "Great." <laughs> like, I've often wondered how they do shit like that because m- many of the buildings, I mean, are are these windy stairs and yeah, you know, and, and narrow hallways, and the doors are small because they. The building was made a hundred years ago when the average person's height was different. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? Do yeah, I, no, I know small- for sure, man. I mean, like that's the thing that sucks is there's there's actually like a company which is very interesting here in New York. It's a company that's called um, it's like the Couch Doctor or something like that, where they can cut your couch for you to get it into your apartment, and they Jesus. do it like like surgically, and then they put it back, and I guess like. Uh, another comic, Emma Wilman, um, she told me that it looked like it and nothing had ever been done to it. It was, in, they did an incredible job, but you know, that's an extra like hundred and 200 bucks. If you want to get that done. Um, you know, I just was like, I, you know, I, they didn't even try to attempt it. They just came in there, looked at the hallway. They're like, guy, we know that we can't get it through. So <clears throat> I got to go pick up yeah. something else. I got to get a sectional. That's how small these New York city places are. And what do you have a one bedroom? Season. Yeah. I got, I got one bedroom, man. I'm, I'm, living on the Upper East Side of New York City now, um, which I love, and it's, it's great, and I'm glad to be in this place, but got to get some furniture. Literally, I'm as we're taping this right now, I am sitting on my nightstand because I have no other furniture <laughs> to sit on. Man, I've lived that scenario about a thousand times in my yeah, life. Yeah, I'm just waiting to get some new stuff. So now that the guy called me today, and I got to go down and pick out some new shit. Long story boring is, uh, guys, just moving sucks. Stay in your apartments just as long as you can. Uh, this place is rent control, thank God. So I, I think I'll probably stay here for a little while. We'll see. But happy to be, happy to be back, you know, on my own, living on my own. I had roommates for a while. It's nice to be back on my own. I'm almost 40. I need to be on my own and 
you know, it's ready for the summer to kick off, man. How is, uh, how's the vibe out in LA? Is it good? It's damn nice out here. Um, me and, uh, Jimmy Shannon and Greg Baldwin and, uh, and like a couple other people, Christine Peak was there. I mean, we did this, this benefit show for veterans. Oh, right. Fuck, it was great. That's awesome, man. That's great. I mean, good for Outside. you to do that benefit for, I mean, shout out to all our veterans and, and, and people that have served, you know, like that's just, you know. Outside in the field behind the veterans building and by a little softball. It, it was amazing. That's great. Yeah. I mean, the, the vibes um, here are good. good feeling. Yeah. Vibes. I mean, I'm doing, I'm doing a place called uh, Flappers in Burbank on Thursday, which is a great room. I'm doing um, the Little, Roosevelt Hotel this weekend. Okay. Yeah, I like flappers. Yeah, it's you know it's a beautiful room. The only thing that it's a sucked for, room. the only thing I didn't like about flappers was that they did a lot of bringer shows there, which is just like you know it's just a lot of. But for those of you listening, you don't know what a bringer show in comedy is. It's like if you want to perform, you have to bring ten friends. They all have to buy tickets, and that's the only way you can perform on the show at these clubs. It's shitty, but when you're brand new, like some people do it, I understand. You know, it's it is what it is, but. uh Flappers is a beautiful room and I hope that it's, you know, it's, it's going to get better and less, less bringer shows, more, more great shows. Um, you know, New York yeah. City vibe is great now. We're, we're, we just reopened last night completely, no restrictions. So we're now full capacity everywhere. We, you know, at all comedy clubs and stuff mm-hmm. here. So we are celebrating that today. They put, um, last night they had fireworks all over the city. So <laughs> that was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, speaking of New York City, um, our guests, Tonight, today, uh, is a, a very funny New York City comic. This dude is blowing up. Um, he, uh, his name is Mark Norman and, uh, he's open for Seinfeld. He's open for Amy Schumer. He's got multiple specials out there. Uh, one on Comedy Central, which I think is now on Paramount Plus. It's called Don't Be Yourself. It was produced by Amy Schumer. And he's got another one called Out to Lunch, which he produced is on his own and it's become this big, huge thing on YouTube. So check him out. Um, MarkNormanComedy.com is where you want to find all his info. Info, uh, But yeah, he's hilarious, and uh, he's joining us right now. Let's, uh, let's add him on. Hey, there he is. Hey, what's shaking? How's it going, my friend? Uh, you know, a little hungover, a little gay. <laughs> you know, uh, Mr. Daryl Hammond here, my co-host. Hey, Daryl. Nice to see you, brother. Did you uh, party a little bit last night? Yeah, you know, the clubs are back open, and uh, half the fun is just sitting with your pals and having a couple scotches and bullshitting and busting balls. So I, I've been staying out too late. Well, but yeah, it happens. It happens to, to yeah. the best of us. It's good to be back to that, though. You know, we missed uh, it so much, and it's just nice to – I was just talking to Daryl before you joined. We were, we were saying that the, the restrictions are all gone now. I know. They, they, they reopened it. They had, you know, fireworks last night all over the city and all that kind of shit. Oh, did they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they're celebrating the fact that we hit seventy percent uh, vaccination rate in the state. So, Woo. yeah, man, well, COVID's not real. <laughs> Joking, comedian. <laughs> yeah, comic, comedy, <laughs> comedy. Uh, yeah, man. So, um, one of the things that I, I wanted to uh, to bring up is uh, something that you and Daryl have in common. You guys uh, both love the city of New Orleans. Ah. That's right. That's yeah, you're, right. You're from there, and Daryl spent a lot of time down there. It's his favorite city, I think. So, whoa, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, my favorite city. But I haven't been back, you know, since what, you know, before COVID, three or yeah. four months before COVID. I mean, before all the the national restrictions, you know, started or people started toying with that idea, 
you know, we were still getting word down in New Orleans, like this fucking thing is going to get bad and you got to pick this, you need to pick the city you're going to be in. Yeah. And, and New Orleans is a place that I've, I've always, I'm in love with and I spent half a year, eight months of a year, but I've never spent the whole year down there because it was just too hot. It's brutally hot. It's humid. It's sticky. Uh, I will say I went down during the pandemic and it was crushing, soul crushing. I've never seen Bourbon Street empty and quiet and clean. I never thought I would see the day, but it was it was empty and it crushed me. People were sending me images of an empty Bourbon Street and God almighty. I it know. was eerie as eerie as fuck. It's it's like when your favorite rock star gets sober and you see him at a show and you're like, oh, his shirt's on, he's drinking tea. This sucks. <laughs> yeah, we <laughs> yeah we don't want our faves to get healthy now, do we? No. <laughs> I mean, Keith Richards is still cooking. He's smoking eight cigarette packs a day and drinking. So I heard something really crass once um, when Sam Kennison got clean and sober and. Someone said, who the fuck wants that? That's, that's not the brand. <laughs> exactly. We exactly. want a guy that's going to show up, you know, an hour late with an automatic rifle. That's what we're... Jesus. Hell yeah. That's how I felt when Oprah got thin. I'm like, wait a minute. This is your whole thing. Come on. Oh, my God. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I'd want Oprah to hear me say something like that, but oh, that's fine. I love Oprah. My first uh, crush was Oprah. <laughs> I love story. Oprah too. I lo- I listen seriously. Is that true? Yeah, my mom was always working, and I think I needed a maternal, you know, lady to uh, put me on her bosom and and rock me to sleep. And Oprah was so kind and giving and and loving, and she would be, look under your chairs and all that. And I remember as a kid, I was a home alone, where going, where the hell's my mom? And then I I fell in love with Oprah. Yeah, I can see how how that's a natural inclination. Did you spend a lot of time home alone? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I grew up in a horrible neighborhood in in Treme, and uh, so mm. I was scared to go outside. I, I just mm. like I just like the image of uh, you know how some kids like you know teenage boys had posters of you know supermodels on their on their wall, and Mark Norman has a, a poster of Oprah above his bed. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh young Oprah was something, man. <laughs> What was it like growing up down there, though, man? I mean, like, how far away is that from, like, the the, the Bourbon Street and all that, like, craziness? Oh, it's, I was a couple blocks. I lived on Esplanade Avenue. Uh, it's basically like Hell's Kitchen, you know, to Times Square. It's the oh, next okay. neighborhood over. Oh, so it's super close. You could walk there and everything. Right? Oh, yeah. yeah. We'd go there all the time. When, when we got to teenage years, we'd just go there. When I, I had lost my virginity to a prostitute. We'd get drunk. <laughs> no, nobody carded. You could drink outside. You could walk around. I mean, it was... It was mayhem, but it was also terrifying, like the, the, the rapings and the muggings and uh, the wiling, if you will. So um, the projects were right there, too. So that got dicey. So uh, people talk about how new, dangerous New York is. I felt like New Orleans when I was growing up was terrifying. You know, they, I heard someone say once that New Orleans is the only city in the world where you can go out. <clears throat> to get a toothbrush and not come home for two days, you know, <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. and it's it's like the the level of debauchery that you can get into is astounding, and you can oh, get yeah. into it very very quickly, especially on Esplanade. I mean, you're a block from Decatur. Once exactly. you cross Decatur, brother, you're into a whole other planet. 
You know? I know. It's true. It's so true. Uh, the strip clubs. I mean, when I was a kid, the strip clubs just had windows on, on like bourbon and Royal. So you could see in them as a kid. And you're like, oh, my God, I'm seeing tits. This wow, is pre-internet. Really? It's like yeah. uh, it's almost like the red light district, though. You know, it was. It was just like that, huh. and uh, everybody was. It was just so n- commonplace. Like, yeah, that's a strip club. You look in, whatever. And man, it was a it was a wild time. And plus, this is the South, and the whole city is built on ports and prostitutes and slavery. So there's just a, a degeneracy in the air. Have you ever dated a prostitute, or, or like when I was down in New Orleans? It was impossible not to meet a prostitute. <laughs> you know, it was almost impossible. I mean, I I used to go to this bar called Deja Vu for breakfast every oh, morning, yeah. and they were all in there. I mean, and uh, they were club? just they, <laughs> they were just part of the scenery, you know. And um, yeah. have you ever been like been in a situation where someone pretended not to be a, hook, a hooker? And <laughs> just I mean, because just my. <laughs> I was going to say, my mom, too. That's how I got started on hookers. <laughs> yeah, there you go. But I don't think I've called my ex-girlfriend a whore, but I don't think she was an actual prostitute. Uh, <laughs> but no, I don't know. I don't think so. I'd be too jealous and insecure for that. Yeah, that happened to me once. And um, it was the most bizarre thing in the whole world. Um, and yet, God knows the world loves prostitutes. Oh yeah, the uh, oldest profession in the in the in the world. Yeah, they're fairly they, they're fairly didn't popular. They just, yeah. didn't, didn't they just decriminalize it? Yes, in New York City and weed, prostitutes and weed. It's like yeah. Charlie Sheen is running here. <laughs> <laughs> it's all legal, man. Get your fix in New York and and sports gambling. I think too. It's like really the tri- really yeah yeah wow. I think that I think that takes effect uh, next year, but they legalized it. This is Vice City. I think we need money. I think so too. I think the city's fucking broke, especially after this pandemic, you know, and the state especially. So pretty you know. uh pretty messed up for all the, the Tom Dick and Harry's who went to jail for twenty years for having a roach clip in the dash in the ashtray. Oh yeah, yeah. It's all and now up. it's legal. Yeah, he literally got caught smoking what? Like a little like, you know, a little dube on the street and somebody's like throwing you in for ten to twenty years for fucking nothing. Crazy. Crazy. Yeah. I always thought when I was when I was watching the series Breaking Bad, which I've been binge watching lately, and they've got a lot of a lot of a lot of scenes and material on the idea that why are you busting the you know because the one guy you know his brother in law is a DEA agent. They're like, why are you busting these people for consensual crimes? Right. They're going to be they're going to be legal one day. That's true. It's yeah. true. I mean, cops used to like I used to see like uh, by, by the old stand. In Gramercy, there was a police station right around the corner, and uh, mm-hmm. there was somebody smoking a joint right out front, and uh, and the cops just stood there and just kind of like, you know, whatever, kind of, they didn't, this is like when it was, you know, illegal still, a couple yeah. years ago, and uh, and I think one of the comics that was there out front was like, yo, like, aren't you going to, like, say anything? Are you gonna, and they're like, we got bigger shit to fucking do. Like, you know, like, we've got oh, good. things to really go after. I mean, it's New York City. We don't really Hell care yeah. about weed. I mean, it's, it's, you know, so I'm glad to see that at least there was that attitude for a little while. I, don't know. I mean, I'm sure that was fairly like, recent. <laughs> like my first hour in New Orleans, I was shooting a pilot down there like around 10 years ago. And my first hour, uh, I walked into a bar in St. Peter's and there was a guy on the bar with his weed. He was a clearly a salesman. Mm-hmm. There were lots of samples on the bar. And there was another guy with his wad of cash out and they're going over the product for the day and a cop walks by. This is a bar. Well, I don't say the bar, but it's in St. Peter. 
Mm-hmm. A cop walks by and he says hi to them. He says, hey, how, you, how y'all doing? Right. And then I follow the cop back out in the street and I go, can you, what do you arrest people for mm. in the quarter? Like, what do you arrest people for? And he's like, violence, any kind of violence. And I thought, sane and sober in the French quarter. <laughs> right. And violence. Right. They just pop you for violence down there? Uh-huh. Ah, come on. I've seen a come lot on of lot of drug busts down there. Have you? They don't fuck around with... When I was a kid, they didn't fuck around with weed. If you saw a guy with weed just taking a little hit, they would tackle the guy. Oh, shit. Really? Yeah. I guess that's let up a little bit, but uh, weed was a big... It's still kind of puritanical religiousy down there, and they see the devil's drug, the the, the reefer, you know, <laughs> the fucking uh, the jazz cigarette. Yeah, I mean, there were spiritual groups in Lafayette that were calling Obama the devil and people were buying it. I mean, yeah. so there's a, there's, there's a really, there's a Bible Belt feel to it. And then there's that whole twisted, make make up your own fucking version of the Bible and form yeah. a church <laughs> yes. section as well, you know? Exactly. That This is... The same thing with the weed and the and the people getting thrown in jail. I I felt the same about gay marriage. I'm not saying I'm the I'm the biggest pro, uh, progressive guy on the planet, but I'm saying even when I was a kid, I knew gay marriage was going to eventually be legal. So why fight against it for so long? Because we will have that footage of you being against it, right. Obama or or whoever politics Hillary. So like, you know what's going to happen. Yeah. I never got that. It's going to flip, so now you're going to look like an idiot in 10 years. Yeah. Some people just try, they try too hard to appeal to like a certain, you know, group uh, to, get, to get the votes. You know, they want, they wanted to get the, you know, the, the religious vote basically, you know, back yes. in the day. Cause they, they were like, oh, if I build up my, you know, you know, my, I don't know what you want to call it, like my, my people, you know, your following with, you know, a right. lot of these religious type of people, then once you get them on board, then you can maybe flip flop later, you know. That kind of good shit. Good point. Good point. Yeah, but how, but how did Trump get so many votes from the Bible Belt? How did how did the Christian alter right buy this guy? You know what I, I mean? I wonder that all the time. I, I think because he said, you know, I say what I want, and they saw him. They saw themselves in him, like this macho, uh, tough guy kind of thing, standing up to the elitist. Even though he's an elitist, you know, he's yeah. a you know rich kid from Queens, from Forest Hills, so. It was weird because Chappelle said it best. Like these poor whites think he's their guy, and then he would hate you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I mean, think a, a lot of it came from like just because the Republican Party attached themselves to him, and you know, like a lot of religious people know that they got to go with the Republican Party because yeah. they're anti-abortion and right. they're big on religion. So because he associated himself with the Republican Party, I think that's why they all just chose to follow him because they're like, oh yeah, like. Republicans, that's that's a religious one, you know. Like, you know, mm-hmm. they didn't realize that, you know, Democrats could be religious too. <laughs> they just right. don't. It's just not synonymous with it. Like, most Democrats are, you know, against abortion and you know things like you know gay marriage and you know they want a gay, they're pro gay marriage and you know the Republican side is not. So that's why they all blindly followed. Yes. I think. I don't yeah. Know, my opinion. He's rich. He's got a hot wife. He says crazy shit. Yeah. He's, he's like a, a rest, a WWE guy, you know? Yeah, oh, it's for sure. Fun. Yeah. Well, he also had this thing where, you know, that he took from Huey Long, the former governor of Louisiana. And Huey Long used to say, it's not me they're after, it's you. I'm just in their way. Mm. You know, Trump and Trump, Trump lifted that directly from the Huey Long campaign. Wow. Look at he, that. Yeah. He, he had memes online. 
It's not me they want. It's you. I'm just in their way. And to be able to sell that idea, <clears throat> I'm sorry. It takes a little bit of street talent. Sure. He's got street smart. I mean, he pulled a political mencia there. I didn't know you could take from other politicians. <laughs> King Fish. He's but, conniving. Uh, he's, he's a conniving guy. He's a guy yeah. who literally, he just knows how to work people and how to manipulate. Fake news came from Hugo Chavez. <clears throat> oh, man, it's a wow. brilliant. Oh, yeah, man. Look at it's this. Hap- it's happened before, apparently. Yeah. Well, um, what was it like? Was there any sort of comedy scene down in, in, in New Orleans back when you were coming up or no? There's, a little, there's a little bit of a scene now. Now there's something going on. But when I was a kid, it was, it was one open mic on Tuesdays at Lucy's Surfer Bar in the Warehouse District. That was like the hot one. Then there was an improv theater that had another open mic on Fridays. And we'd drive to Lafayette. We'd drive to Baton Rouge. We'd, we'd go all over the place just trying to get gigs. And it, it's, a, it's a low ceiling. It's a real Brad Williams level ceiling. And so <laughs> I got out after like eight months. I got I get the bug. I got bitten. And I got two guys together. And we moved uh, to New York City pretty quick. Yeah, is there like a big club there now? Is it like One Eye Jacks or what is it? That that was the big cool room, but it closed with COVID. God, oh, so I know. Sad. Like, uh, what's his name? Uh, David Tell yes. shot something there. Exactly. Part of his special. Yeah, I, I yeah. did a couple. I would come down every Thanksgiving and do One Eye Jacks, and my friend booked it. It was just a, it was a magical thing, but uh, it's gone now. Uh, is there, sure anything, is there anything there? I mean. Ah, uh, nothing. I think it's just boarded up at the moment. But it's no, I mean, COVID. like, any as far as like uh, any more comedy clubs that are out there now. Oh, now nah, they got you got Howlin' Wolf, which is a, it's all music venues that just do comedy. There's, okay. I don't think there's a proper club. Yeah, that's kind of like Hawaii. Hawaii is the same yeah. way. They don't they don't really have a comedy club. They just do stuff at like you know the Blue Note or whatever it's called. Right. You know, right. Like some sort of like music club, and then they they flip it to comedy on the weekends or weekdays or whatever it is. Yeah, I did uh, Hawaii. I've done two festivals in Hawaii, and the comedy there is it takes a back seat. That's the same with New Orleans. New Orleans is like jazz, drinking, partying, hooking, blow, whatever. <laughs> yeah. But Hawaii is sun, beach, waves, Mai Tai, yeah. palm tree. Why Vacation. the fuck are we? I don't want to hear your thoughts on anxiety. I'm in Hawaii. <laughs> Why would I want you? Comedy will bring you down in Hawaii. Yeah. You, you go to Buffalo and they're like, we need comedy. You go to Hawaii. You're like, you're killing us here. Yeah. You're, you're, you're stressing us out on a, on a place that, that I came to to get away from this. Shit. Yes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> we don't hear about politics and Uber and all this shit. You know, come on. Yeah. Yeah. I always wondered yeah. why there was, there was more comedy out there. Now, I guess that makes yeah. sense. And you got to play like it. You got to play like a ukulele and shit. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what <laughs> that's, they want. That's what they want. They want a they want a prop comic. They want a carrot top of uh, ukulele um, players here. Exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> Give us a little tune. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I really loved Esplanade though. Aren't those the most beautiful houses in New Orleans? Where is it? Besides Esplanade. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, that old. That old style with the arched doorways and the big windows. It's beautiful. The balconies. Yeah. yeah. You get a little of that in Savannah and a little of that in maybe Key West. But uh, it's, it's, a, it's a special look. Yeah. It's gorgeous. And well, it's, I'm out here in Los Angeles. I just transitioned out here. I'm sorry I wasn't able to make that last podcast. But moving is such a fucking bitch. You know that. Well, what's L.A. like? I mean, I thought it was an exodus. You and the cicadas got the hell out of there. <laughs> I I I ran the hell out of New uh, out of L.A. Um, about a year and a half ago when all the stand up 
you know, dried up and I really couldn't justify paying for a second apartment anymore. Right. And, um, but I mean, I always wanted to come back here. And when things cleared up a little bit, mm. I moved back, you know, and I'm probably not going to live in New York for a long time, but whatever. I, I still really like it here a lot. All right. I mean, it's, it's still a great city, but at the, uh, I hate to say the politics there are a little dicey. Are they now? <laughs> well, that, that Newsom seems like a real queef. He's a real hypocrite. I don't trust him. Oh, yeah. Everybody fucking hates him there. He's he's on his way out. I mean, even, you think? You know, oh, yeah. Democrats hate him. Fucking Republicans hate him. Like, I, I was out there during the pandemic. And at the uh, beginning, I thought he was doing a good job in the beginning, just like Cuomo. The beginning, yeah. and then you learn a little bit too much about what fuck you were doing. Yeah. You know, like, it, obviously, Cuomo has his major issues that are in the news, but like, Newsom flip flopped a lot, and, you know, Newsom was. Just he kept getting caught, like he was getting caught at parties. He was telling yes. people, you know, like, hey, you can't go anywhere and everything's locked down. And he's getting caught at like, you know, big huge parties with no mask and and yeah. you know, like after telling everybody they can't go anywhere and the, the city's all fucked and you right. know, shit like that really just kind of pissed you off where you're just like, Okay, man, like <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. You start with COVID really revealed how full of shit politicians are. Left, right, up, down, DR. They're all they're all fucking shucksters and hucksters, you know? Yeah. I don't care what side it's, you're on. It's really weird. Like I did a show in Vegas a couple of weeks ago, and I think there were three two or three hundred people there. And there was no masks, man. It was right. fucking freak freaky. Yeah. Yeah. It's wild. New York's yeah, like I mean, that now. Certain Republican states have just been, you know, like Florida, you know, like I mean uh, Nevada Nevada's uh Republican state, you know, Arizona, Texas, all that stuff. Like, they just didn't give a fuck. They stopped with the masks, you know, a while back. And some people obviously still wear it if you want to wear it. But, like, there's no more mandates. There hasn't been mandates there for, like, a while. So that's, you know, that it was. it's wild to, like, go to those type of places and see that. And you're like, oh, shit. Like, you feel like you're doing something wrong or either other people are doing something wrong. But you're just like, well, you know, to each their own. You know, do whatever the fuck you want. Like, that's the way you want to live? Then whatever, you know? (laughs) Well, here, here's the, the weird part, and, this, and feel free to kick me in the balls here because I don't know anything about politics. I don't know anything about science. But all those states like Texas and Florida, they lifted the mask mandate, and everybody's like, what are you, crazy? You're ruining it for the rest of us. You're crazy. You're going you're gonna to blow it. Yeah. And then they kind of seem fine. Yeah. I mean, they kind of did. And it's funny because, you know? like, every, you know, even, even being back here, since we all started getting the vaccine, you know, pumping it into everybody, all of a sudden, the numbers are dropping big time, and you're like, "Oh, yeah. like, I'm a little less nervous. Everything seems to be fine. Let's just lift this shit and let's go." Like, <laughs> you know, know, like I kind I of I got over it real quick once I saw the numbers com- like go way the fuck down. And then you, know? you see John Stewart. Would you see him on Colbert? He was saying uh, that the mask or that the the virus came from a Wuhan lab. He's like, it definitely came from a lab. Why won't we say? And I was like. Is this John Stewart? What the fuck's going on? <laughs> well, I mean, I, I agree. I think it came from a fucking lab. I don't think it came from some guy eating a fucking bat. You know, I, I hear you with the bat thing. But now, does everybody who called you a racist for saying it came from China do they apologize? Oh yeah, I mean, I think. Well, I think people were pissed about like Trump calling it the Kung Flu, and you know, and and you know, being like the the, the Chinese flu. That's, and, that's so just so fucking funny, though. It, it is it's so it, funny. Come on, dude, the, he, clung, he the Kung Flu. Say what you want about that dude's fucking politics and how shitty he was, uh, but he was yeah. still uh, with all the garbage that came out of his mouth. He was still funny sometimes. 
And oh, you, sometimes you just had to laugh because you're like, I can't believe this is a this is well, a fucking guy running the country. He made fun of retards. I mean, yeah, he's, I remember he's not shape sh- shaped to be president. Let's be honest. Yeah. But uh, Daryl's met him a few times. I mean, Daryl oh, yeah. he, he, he impersonated him to, on SNL. You know right. I mean, I had I had dinner with him and Melania and Commissioner Ray Kelly one night, and we were doing a benefit for the I guess the Police Athletic League or something, and. The things Trump was saying at that table. I mean, I'm not going to repeat. They were. I'm oh. not saying they were. I'm not <laughs> You've saying said it already were. at the podcast. I think. <laughs> no, no, no. I never said what he said. Okay. And 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 we were. I mean, we were doing spit takes. This guy was so fucking funny. Yeah. I mean, he, I mean, he was wailing on people. Even even commissioner even commissioner Kelly was like, Jesus Christ. Uh. <laughs> I never heard anyone say shit like this. <laughs> it's it's weird how like you know it's funny because you think about it like oh yeah he's he's a new yorker but he's hated by every single new yorker right like, right. like nobody here fucking likes the guy you know yeah. and it's, it's it's just kind of funny like you grew up here but you know it's, it's it's not you're not you're not a true new yorker i don't i don't think but sometimes the way he talks you're like uh, maybe you are <laughs> yeah well it's weird because trump voters you'd see in new york they'd have like little parades with the hats and the maga and all that and you're like where are you hiding trump voters are like people who watch the big bang theory i'm like i you, you no one admits it but you're there because it yeah, gets crazy it, ratings yeah it's popular yeah i mean the, yeah. Well, I, think, I think most of those trump supporters were on staten island that's the mm. that's the big area where they they came out of the woodwork for him. Got it. Uh, and yeah, Island, but, but, but but you know when I went over there one day to Fifty Sixth Street and Fifth Avenue, um, I saw those trucks and I heard them with their megaphones and I swear to God I thought some of them were from fucking Kentucky. Oh, yeah. they may have they may have driven in from other states. I mean, there was that parts of sense. big parts of Jersey too that like you know they were Trump supporters and stuff. And you see the little trucks with the flags and all that, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, well, we're going, the, I feel better well, doing a political rant. Here. Yeah, we're going on a rant about Trump. <laughs> Hold on, Daryl had one more thing. I cut him off. I don't know. I just thought with the megaphones, the 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 mission the missionary zeal they had. I mean, yeah. they just weren't fucking. They're not, they weren't peddling a pair of fucking pliers. They were talking about somebody that they were emotionally involved with. You know, right? It's just, just interesting. It yeah. is. It is. It was. It was a wild time. And the documentary about this, where, where they wrap in Trump and COVID and BLM and and all this shit, is going to be a bananas documentary in ten years. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, that's, that's going to be, uh, you know, that's, that's going to be in history books too. Like, I mean, that's, oh, yeah. the kids are going to learn about like half the shit that, 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 you know, our president was saying, yeah. you know, and, and the, the things going on there, you know, they'll, they'll, you know, they'll come to you like, Hey, you know, daddy, what, what, did, what did, you know, where, what, what happened, what happened back then? Like, was this real? Yeah. Like, you know, how did people handle it? Like, right. well, I don't know. We drank a lot, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We stayed inside. We drank, we watched Netflix. Yeah. We, we tried to, try to do our best to be blissfully ignorant you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah the news the news was just like eight million people died today in your neighborhood the capital's being rioted and uh asians are dead you're like all right great let's binge watch something let's yeah. go <laughs> this, this is really fucking weird because for some reason i haven't been able to get cable in my apartment yet out here because weird reasons but i haven't really missed it i yeah. mean do you remember throwing on one of these cable channels and feeling and Chris and I are kind of friendly with Jake Tapper who's, you know, a cool guy, but that, that breaking news, mm. I mean, sometimes I thought of like a tidal wave was coming or something. 
Oh, everything brutal. was breaking news during the fucking election, man. Everything. They're like, breaking everything. news. Somebody sneezed in Chicago. They've got to yeah. recount three <laughs> votes. Like, you know, yeah. really racist. That was God. a racist sneeze. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> was he sneezing or was he saying something racist underneath his sneeze? Was he saying was he- achoo or achoo? <laughs> oh, hey. Ooh. <laughs> Woo woo! Hey, that's offensive to Native Americans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just realized that. I'm in trouble. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, well, how did you? How did so? You made the move to New York, man, from New Orleans. Uh, like, how did you end up like uh, opening up for like Amy Schumer in the beginning there? I mean, I was a struggling alt comic. I don't know if you remember that was a thing. Uh, yeah, I was too scared to do comedy clubs because I I didn't like the idea of people paying money to see my shitty hack comedy so uh i was still so green so i was doing bar shows in brooklyn and queens and i got a gig at comics in the meatpacking remember that that oh yeah show that was there for 10 minutes then they pump like a millions of dollars into the place to make it nice and then they realized oh fuck we don't really have the money coming in to to balance this out (laughs) and it was like rich you know coke gals coming in with like tiny cocktail dresses and heels with some oil tycoon douche and they don't care about comedy so all the shows sucked but either way i got a gig there uh, and i did a set i bombed and one joke worked and amy schumer happened to be walking in during one joke that killed oh wow she saw me in the green room said i think we'd have a good uh rapport i'm looking for an opener and i was like look at this chick hitting on me jesus christ you can't, <laughs> can't go a minute in this town without getting assaulted and uh, I said, sure. And that was it. That's awesome, man. I mean, uh, I've only met her once or twice, but uh, I met her back in the day when she was dating Jesselnick. Yeah. And it was like years and years back at the improv. And she, um, she, I got off stage right in front of her and she went on stage and she came, she roasted me on certain, like a, like a part of my joke that I did. Yeah. And then I threw it back at her and she goes, Wow, I wasn't expecting that from you after watching your act. <laughs> and, I was uh, like, and I go, eh, and she go, and she came over and talked to me afterwards. It was very cool, very nice, and uh, yeah, you know, it was always fun. it was always sweet or whatever. But like, yeah, you you made the leap though from you know uh, you know doing these open mics and uh, these alt shows to opening for Shum, and then uh, you opened for the big sign. You yeah, know? Schumer, Seinfeld, Louis, Tom Papa, Seinfeld. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, it's quite a, a wild roller coaster. I'll tell you, half these guys, they just see how hard you're, you're hustling and they, they want to work with you. It's, it's, I don't even know if it's the act. Yeah. Like, I think Seinfeld is like, sense. this guy's out every night, so I want to work with him. Well, I remember Seinfeld said something about you on a, a baseball game. Like, he happened to be at the Mets game and they brought him in the broadcast booth and they, they asked him who, who, who's the best comic coming up that he sees that he likes or whatever. And he named right. you. I remember like going, oh shit. I can't believe it. It's still, I play it every now and then when I'm having a bad day and I just put it on in my house. <laughs> oh, that's it, cool. It still blows my mind. Yeah. And then didn't, you ended up opening up for him right after that, right? Yeah. A couple of months later at the beacon, he had me and it was funny because I was in Charlotte in a comedy condo bombing at some club <laughs> out there. And my phone rang at seven in the morning and it was George Shapiro and I was hung over. I was on no sleep. And I was like, hello. And he's like, where the hell have you been? I've been trying to get in contact with you. I was like, ah, I guess my phone was dead. He's like, Seinfeld's been trying to call you all weekend. I'm like, what? Oh, my God. I can't believe I missed a – imagine missing that. So yeah. finally my phone clicked on, I guess. And uh, I bought a phone off Craigslist that was broke. It was a whole thing. Yeah. But, uh, dealing I, drugs, it's fine. 
yeah, I got through <laughs> and I was like, I'm in, whatever it is, I'm in. I canceled some shit and I made it there. And uh, that's a whole other story. That's Seinfeld weekend. But, Buddy, you got I mean, could you tell, I know you've told the story a few times, I'm sure, but can you tell the story about opening up for him? Like, I don't want to bore Daryl here. Yeah. Um, come on, man. I got <laughs> nothing to do. I got nothing but time on my hands. <laughs> it's I a good story, it. man. It was, it, I, I listened to it on your podcast, uh, Tuesdays with Stories. Guys, check it out. It's a very good podcast. Uh, but yeah, I remember, uh, hearing that story, man. And, and you wouldn't mind, you know, just retelling, uh, you don't have to go into too much detail. Sure. I'll give you a quick, uh, quick Cliff's notes. I, uh, I was doing, uh, opening for him at the beacon. I'm petrified. I mean, I bought a suit obviously, and, uh, I'm just trying to play it cool. I go out there first show. We're doing two shows a night, four shows, two nights. First show, I go out there. I do pretty well. Like, I just stand there delivering my set. And it went well. It wasn't a kill. It wasn't a bomb. It went well. Second show, feeling a little more confident. I go out there. And he, by the way, he does no clock, no light. So you just got to know how long 15 minutes is. Oh, wow. Yeah. Which is (laughs) like, you're going to do that on your shows? What are you, crazy? But whatever. So... I go out there, I do probably 13, and I felt like, ah, I'd rather go short than long. I don't know where I was at, but it felt like maybe 13. And I get off, and he's not off, he's not backstage. And the thing is, you go out, and he walks right on. The crowd goes nuts. He's not backstage, so I'm freaking out. I go up to a grip, some Hispanic guy. He's playing a game on his phone. I'm like, what should I do? He's like, you better go back out there. I'm like, ah! So I run back out. I do another couple minutes just to buy time. Maybe he's in an elevator. Maybe he's shitting. I don't know what he's doing. And then one guy starts heckling me. He goes, Jerry, bring out Jerry. And I, I, I want to bury this guy, but you got to be clean. Yeah. So I can't really go, hey, you piece of shit. Blow me. I'll kill you. you <laughs> fuck you. So I had to be like, hey, easy, partner. Don't make me come up there, buster, or whatever. And now it's getting weird. I'm sweating. And I go, all right, fuck it. I'm, I'm done. They don't want to see me. I walk off. He's off the side of the stage. He ain't happy. I go up to his uh, like his right-hand man. I go, what should I do? He goes, sit the fuck down. Don't talk to me. You're, 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 you're fucked up. And I was like, oh, Jesus. Oh, my God. So I watched, I watched his whole hour. I just paced around the, the theater. I wanted to kill myself. You know when you just wish you could have a time machine and, and replay mm. something? That's all I was thinking about. So he gets off stage. He goes he goes right up to me. He goes, don't ever go back out there. What are you, crazy? You never go back out there. That was horrible. I was like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He gets in a car and he leaves. So I don't know if I'm on for the next night. I don't know if I'm fired. I don't know if he hates me. I don't know if he wants to see me in the room with him. <laughs> but I go God. home. I lay in my suit. I don't sleep. I stare at the ceiling. And... Uh, I go back the next day. I'm petrified. I get there like an hour early just to be on the safe side. And he sits down. He has like a little, little chat with me. He's like, let's talk. And he's like, you got to work on this. You got to do that. You got to move around more. And don't do this. Don't do that. And I was like, yes, sir. No, sir. You got it. And then I went out and ripped it. And I think it made us closer in the end. Okay. Did he? Was he? Was Did he say that he was mad that you did too much time or that you went back out there or he was mad that I that I went back out. He was like, it would have been better if you got off stage and just, and just waited off. for me. Yeah, because okay. they can hang for a minute in the darkness. Yeah, yeah but yeah. the fact that you go back out, it throws off the whole rhythm. Yeah, but so you I didn't know it. you didn't know where he was. You didn't know if he was even in the building. Ooh, I had no idea. idea. And, and I'm just you know, it's the biggest gig of my life, so I'm just 
freaking out. Uh, my head's going a mile a minute, and uh, it was. I made an executive decision. I said, if the ship's going to go down, I should go down. It should go down with me because I fucked it up. And uh, boy, was that a mistake. <laughs> but you guys are are cool now, though, right? I mean, yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, we're cool, we're cool. Yeah, I mean, like you did, uh, you know, you finished the weekend, right? For that, for that weekend. Finished the weekend. We went out after. We had pizza. We had wine. We oh. left it up. We still text. Nice. I hope when he comes back into the world that he'll uh, use me again. Okay. I mean, yeah. is he still? Is he? I mean, he was around New York, popping into Gotham and stuff. Is he still doing shows he, or what? Well, I think he's working on a project right now. I can't oh, okay. say what it is. I but, gotcha. uh Hopefully, you'll be a part of it. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, I'll go short. But uh, yeah, yeah. So. I think he's taking a breather on stand-up, which is unprecedented. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what that guy lives for, stand-up. But yeah, I know. It's a great and also terrifying story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that, that shook me for a while. Then I put the story on YouTube, and it got a ton of views. But I took it down because I was worried he was going to hear it. Oh, yeah. I mean, that, that would kind of worry me, too. Like, if he, if he got upset about, like, oh, you, you put the whole thing up there, you know. Like, <laughs> yeah, what exactly. are you doing? <laughs> exactly. What is the deal? So I, I still have it on, like on private and YouTube, and I want to bring it out in ten years. But uh, yeah, that was a big, big night, terrifying night. Uh, it the no clock, no light thing. It just it's it's perplexing. What are you yeah. thinking with that shit? I, I don't know, and, and it's the worst feeling in the world when you realize you've offended like a personal god of yours. Yes. Like you know, you've had a chance to have an interaction with them, and they found you somehow disappointing. It sucks, but uh, has it ever happened to you, Daryl? Right. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Let's hear it. No, I've said some. I, you know, I've said some fucking <laughs> shit that got me in the, got me into hot water. Who could uh, with people who could atomize me anytime they wanted? What you oh mean? yeah, the N word. What are we talking? Here? <laughs> oh no, stop! No, I, it wasn't the N word. It was just like an off the cuff remark when I was under stress. Oh. AKA pills. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. When I was under stress and you have to go in <laughs> you have to go in and and demonstrate that you would you wished the earth would open well, at that yeah. moment. Yeah, oh, just, yeah. And it was <laughs> just like it was fu- it was happenstance. I yep. was under stress. I was scared of being dis- of being a disappointment. And I said something stupid, and I'm I'm mortified. Was that you know? was that at SNL or during standup? I'm not telling you. Oh, oh. I think we know the answer to that. <laughs> I think we can all guess. I'm not telling you. Uh, all I right. I mean, you like, give us some 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 gist there, Daryl. You don't have to say who or where. Just you said something mean, or you said something offensive. What was it? I said something that might have been perceived as insensitive and out of line. Ah, got it, got it. You called it was it, you know, it happened when I don't know, at SNL things go wrong like every split second. Something sure. goes wrong. And something went really, really wrong and left me um out there in in no man's land with by myself without a direction and I sure did look bad and because the job was so important to me I wanted someone to to blame and the, certainly there was someone who I could pinpoint 
But the fact of the matter is that place is like being pinned down in a withering crossfire sometimes. It's too, it's too hard. And we all fuck up, you know? Um, but, you know, what I learned that night was um, I wasn't ever, 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 ever going to lose my cool again. Not one more time. I don't care yeah. what happened. Yeah. And, you know, there, there, was, there were times when I would have glue in my eye and, and, you know, like pancake in my mouth. and I got hit on the head by something, you know, and, wow. and I'm, man, oh, I stay cool. No. <laughs> you know, there was. There Live was, and learn, I was, man. I was doing something with uh, Tracy Morgan once in a sketch called Here Come Bernard. Here Comes Bernard. And I cracked ribs in the sketch. I didn't say it. Oh, oh, yeah. You cracked your ribs? Yeah, I did. We, wow. I fell over backwards. Oh, shit. Oh. Wow. Wait, I mean, can you add, am I going to get in trouble for saying that? No. No, no. There's nothing, there's nothing offensive or bad about that whatsoever. I mean, I, I wasn't going to go to people and go, all right, motherfucker, I'm going to do a lawsuit. No. No, no, no you didn't do you're anything good. wrong. Yeah, no, you I don't, it's like it's like it's like complaining what happened about what happened at Gladiator Camp the other day. Okay, uh, <laughs> st- st- stuff went wrong. Right, it right. Wasn't, it, w- it wasn't to my liking. You yeah. Know? Well, I mean, well, the thing that I've learned from just you know you know being friends with you and doing this podcast with you for a while is that that there's that massive pressure of performance at that at that place at SNL, like and and just the you know what it takes to, to be on your game every day, every week, every day, whatever, you know, it, it's, it's a lot. And, you know, you're only human to crack yeah. here and there. I mean, especially ribs, but like, you know, that, that kind of stuff is, uh, you know, it, the fact that you only had one real like incident like that. I mean, that says a lot about you as you, you know, like that's, that's great, man. I mean, I, I feel like I'd, anybody else would probably be, you know, so tempted to, to run off, pop up the mouth and mouth and uh, yep. say stuff like that, you know, and, get yourself in trouble. So, I mean, in, you know, you had quite the tenure on there 14 years or whatever, plus, you know, still going, you know? Totally. Yeah. I just, I just signed it a, another deal with them. So, you know, this, the saga never ends. Who knows what will happen now, but keep going, man. It's keep going. Yeah. Mark, I just did, learned. Okay. Go ahead. No, no. So I was going to ask Mark if, if, uh, did you ever get the chance to audition for SNL Mark? No, I'm not, a, I'm not an actor. I can't do characters or voices. So, oh, okay. uh, well, I just, cause you know, you were doing so well with stand up. I figured maybe they would, they would reach out or, you know, I, I've gotten jokes accepted on weekend update before. Cause I know mm. Colin Jost and I love Michael Che. So they've put jokes of mine in, but never, uh, I, I don't think I'd be a good character. Maybe if I went the Norm Macdonald route of just kind of half-assing, but even he was good at Letterman and, and Burt Reynolds was great. And, uh, Larry King Tarantino. was great. Tarantino. Tarantino. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't oh, yeah. do that. I can't even do that. So mm. I, I think I'd be horrible for the show unless it's Weekend Update. Oh, okay. Put in a plug for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I feel the same yeah. way, man. I'm, I'm not much of an actor, and I, I don't I don't think I could ever do characters and stuff like that. Or, you know, and I, I've never I've never sat like uh, sought out to be to audition for SNL. You know, but right. I, I, I would, I, you know, if I were to do anything on there, I, I would love like weekend update type of thing. Cause I think that's where yeah. standups are more natural. I mean, that's yeah. why you look at, you know, who's done so well on weekend update. It's all been standups for the most part that have really crushed that. Oh yeah. Yeah. I agree. Uh, yeah. I, I know a lot of people who audition who I think should have gotten it. I won't say their names, but they didn't, <laughs> but I think they make some weird choices over there, but Hey, 
Yeah, I mean, what the hell do I know? You know, I don't know, man. I mean, they also a lot of times with, we we've um, figured out when you know we've talked to other comics and, and and past SNL cast members and stuff is that sometimes they'll pass on you and then they'll come back to you a couple of years later and then you'll get uh, it. Like, there's true. no rhyme or reason. You maybe just don't fit at the moment because you know they already have like a guy that's your mold, your your age, your you know style of whatever. And then when that person leaves, then they come back to you and go, okay. Right. Uh, we'd like to audition you again. I mean, we talked to we had Godfrey on, uh, and Godfrey auditioned like four or five times. Really? Yeah, he, he never got it. He but seems like a shoe in. You think so? I mean, he's got great impressions, and uh, you know, he's a killer in stand up, and you know, he's a very personable guy. As far as yeah, funny, you know. he can act. How do how do you guys know each other? What's uh, what have you guys been dating? What what? Uh, what yeah, you know, I, I you know swiped right on a uh, little Tinder action there, and uh, got yeah. that. The, the the old Hammond. No, um, we met during stand up, and uh, when he he came back to New York for a bit, uh, you know, somebody uh, out in L.A. recommended him to come do Comedy Juice, and uh, you know, hit me up, and uh, we started doing some shows more, more and more, and then during the pandemic, uh, you know, he gave me a call, and he was like, "What do you think about doing a podcast?" And I said, "Yeah, let's uh, let's give it a shot." And you know, our goal is what we'd like to do is not, stop doing this shit over Zoom. <laughs> We'd yeah, love to yeah. just Zoom more in person and, and doing these live in front of like an audience maybe at some point, Ooh. you know? You know, Ooh, like add an extra talking. show on a weekend and, and and just do the podcast for an hour. That would be that'd be killer, you know, having an audience. That'd be there. great. And really getting a feel for, you know, watching my jokes bomb in uh-huh. real time. Oh, you're used to that. I am. Hey, Thank you. Hey, yeah, comedy. Yeah. Comedy, yeah. Well, Chris, I know I, I, you guys and Mark, I know I'm going to have to be in New York a lot starting in September. I really, I'd love to see you guys. Um, yeah. Love yeah. To see you, love to see you work, Mark. And Same Chris, here. don't want, don't want to see you work, Chris, but, <laughs> but yeah, uh, but, I know. He's seen I, me enough. We've toured a couple, a couple times together. It's like, all right, how many times are you going to talk about being single? Jesus Christ. Uh, <laughs> hey, but, talk about what I, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I'll be there in the fall quite a bit. So I, I hope yeah. I run into you, Mark. And I oh, love well, watching. I'll make sure I'll make sure we're all in the same lineup if we can do a little, uh, you know, comedy juice action at Gotham. It'd be an honor, please. Put it It'd be an honor together. for me too. I, I love watching you, brother. I do. All right. Well, thanks. Thanks for having me. It's, it feels like this is ending. Yeah, we gotta we gotta wrap right. it up. Uh, you know, it's getting it's getting to the point where we gotta we gotta we gotta skedaddle. But uh, before we let you go, uh, I can you see the scar on my face? Oh. I'm going to get. There's like. I've been getting treated by a skin doctor because they—that's why—that's why I have to get off the phone. Oh no, I can't even see it. I think it, I, it, doesn't, good. it looks good, man. I don't—I don't see shit. Yeah. So yeah, whatever they're doing, sh- they're doing a great job. Yeah, yeah they fuck with it. Great too. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome, Mark. I served that one right up for you. Yeah. Oh, sorry, that's uh, okay. Let's uh, let's throw in a couple of plugs for the old Mark Norman uh, out to lunch is a special on YouTube, correct? Right? You got out that to lunch. Right. Uh, I give you props for that, man. You self produced that, right? Yeah, we're about to hit eight, uh, seven million views, and uh, that's incredible, it, it man. Really helped my career. So yeah, yeah. I mean, well, I mean, there's a lot of comics that are thinking about going that route, and I think you were one of the first ones, like you and Sam Morrell and uh, a Joe few Lewis. others, who just said, "Fuck it, we don't need a network. We're going to put it on YouTube. Hope to get." Some people in you know watching it. It's it's an excellent special. I watched the work on it for however Thank long, you, you know, and yeah. So everybody go check that out and then uh, don't. But isn't that so? Isn't that so profound? What YouTube is is doing? Unbelievable! It's a game changer. I oh, mean, yeah. 
you can sit on your couch and get how many? Seven million? Yeah. yeah. yeah That's gets, astonishing. And in uh, his podcast partner, Joe List, I think I just saw he's got four million on his. So, yeah, like, he's killing know, it. These are, you know, these, these, are, these are different times now where we're comics almost don't need a network. Obviously you want the network, but if you want to put out something on your own, it's possible now. Like you didn't, you know, 10 years ago, you get your thumb up your ass if you didn't get it on Comedy Central, you know, and it, That's it. now it's, and now it's, a, it's the, you know, total, total new landscape. I mean, you got Netflix, you got fucking Hulu, you got all these places that are popping up, but you don't need them. You can really do it on your own if you've got a nice little following and really yep. just kind of build it off of, you know, podcasts and whatever else. But, uh, you have another special that was produced by Amy Schumer called Don't Be Yourself. Is that, uh, that's on Paramount or? Comedy Central well, yeah, it was originally Paramount. Comedy Central. Yeah, it's Comedy Central special. But I think everything everything gutters into Paramount. It all funnels into some extra bullshit. Yeah. Paramount Plus and uh, yeah, uh, Mark uh, Mark Norman Comedy is that it? Uh, That's it. dot com. Mark Norman Comedy dot com at Mark Norman. I'm assuming on social media. Oh yeah, yeah. All right. Well, we got it. We'll. Uh, I appreciate you being on, Mark. I, uh, Thank you, sir. I'm always happy to chat you up a little bit, man. And I'm sure I'll see you around at the clubs, at the scenes. Hell yeah! Get back out there. Let's do some uh, comedy at Gotham. Great to see you. And Daryl, always a always a pleasure. Big fan. Same here, brother. Same here. Thank you. Thanks, right. buddy. We'll comedy. talk to you soon, man. Thanks, man. Okay, bye. Easy. Praise Allah. <laughs> well, guys, that's Mark Norman. Uh, what a fucking great guest he was. Uh, he's, a, he's just a hilarious comic. I mean, we have him on for a reason. Every time we have maybe some people, we've had a couple comics recently on that maybe you don't know. Uh, we put them on for you to check out because they are that funny. They are that good. Uh, that dude works. Mark works harder than anybody I've ever seen. Him and Sam Morrill are, are like best friends. And what they do is they just pump out. They're like joke machines. They pump out new jokes. Literally every week they've got a new fucking half hour feel. So like these guys are hard workers. Um, before I go, uh, I just want to say, guys, thank you so much for listening. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Make sure you give us five stars. Throw us, throw us a five star review. Even if you don't think we're worth a five star review, I think we are. And then make sure you follow us on social media. I'm at Chris Milhouse. Daryl's at Daryl C. Hammond. And then we have our producer at Jim Search who will be back with us next week. Uh, we'll have another uh, another great podcast coming up for you guys. So thanks for listening. Make sure you share our posts and we'll uh, we'll talk to you soon. Take care, everyone. <clears throat>